I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The aeroplane is about to take off. Please fasten your seatbelt, comb your hair. The air stewardess is about to hand round the wine-style drinks and nibbles. Where are we heading to? We're heading towards Jill's and Jim's Joyride, past the Jumbo Peanuts. The doyen of the classical illusionists, Ooh. Sir Clough Williams Ellis, who yeah. designed Port Merion and is my inspiration as an architect, mm. said, if you want to know anything about anything, don't ask the experts, don't ask the politicians, ask the artists and the poets. So now we have a fantastic poet and a great writer, a man who's won lots of awards for his great writing, has marvellous books, yes. and is a marvellous fellow altogether, and my dear friend. Are you ready for him? But who is it? It's Ben Oakley. <laughs> welcome to the welcome to our podcast, well, Ben. It's a real pleasure, especially after a very generous announcement like that. Well, that was, that was and it's so nice to see a man wearing a beret and pulling it off well, because I. I've always been a fan of the beret, but I'm never sure I can really swing it. You have worn a beret often. I've seen it. Yeah, it's, well, you have the right head for it. The beret is actually the only hat that sits on my head without looking tiny. Because my head is so massive. That is yes, true. Yes, yes. Berries are very, uh, they're very generous. It's very forgiving to the larger yeah, very, headed very, man. Very generous and they're very, <laughs> very adaptive. And you can also use it as a carrier bag. Oh, I've never tried that. No, neither have I, but I just thought, you know, it's, it's an ideal hat for, you know, maybe carry some apples home. In. Ben had no interesting thought, which he was saying just before we started to record, but I'd like to pick up on this. He was talking about star signs yeah. and how some people, and this is what I would like to ask him about, some people try and get their baby to be born. I know you just have a, had a grandson and I've yeah. got one on the way, but people try and plan it so their baby will be born on a particular day. So there'll be the right star sign. Is that how it works? I think the ones I do know about um, have uh, certain strong affinities for certain star signs mm -hmm. and want to have those star signs if it's possible. What are you? Um, I, I was hatched. <laughs> <laughs> you were born on all of, throughout all of the star signs. Oh, yes, <laughs> right around. the com combination of the star signs rolled into one space. You're yes. Aquarius. Well, that's right. Because and I know that because we've got the same birthday. Exactly. Ah, <laughs> yeah. this, is a, this is a birthday jaunt, is it? Well, it looks like it is now, yeah. So we're Aquarians, which means it's artistic, isn't it? It's the water bearer. They're people of ideas. This is for my general reading of astrology. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Who is it? Who's that? Uh, astro is it Russell Brand? Yes. Is it Russell Brand? I think Joyce is an Aquarian. I might be wrong. No, uh, the, James uh, Joyce. Yes. Mm. Russell Brand. 
Russell Grant. Russell Grant, not Russell yes. Brand. No, that's right. Yes. Right, Russell Thank Grant. You, Molly, the producer. I remember seeing Russell Grant. I was in a, a fabulous fish and chip restaurant in Blackpool called The Cottage. And all over the walls is pictures of famous people, all the people who've had the fish and chips in there. And Russell Grant came in with his mother, and apparently that's what he did every day. So he came in at 12 or 1 o'clock or something, and it went behind a red velvet curtain, which when parted, you could see a small table just in the for two. Oh. And then the curtains were drawn, and all you could hear it was the sound of haddock and chips being eaten, and, and occasional <laughs> mentions of horoscopes. <laughs> well, so what star sign are you, Ben? He did. He's not. He was hatched. Yeah, I was. I was hatched. But you, but, but, but you must have been hatched on a on a day, was it? Not you? Well, well, it depends. You see, uh, hatching. You know, the, the, the egg cracks on a day. Then there's a second crack on oh, another day. Oh, I see. Day, okay. Yeah. And then there's the yeah. day in which you choose to lift your head out. And then there's the day in which you choose to break out of the egg completely. So yeah. which is yeah. the date okay. of the... You know, yeah. your life's no, just no. one big metaphor, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> does, does it? Does it work for years as well? Oh, yes. Or you could be hatched for a lifetime. When were you born? We were born in 1959. I was born in 1959. No, I was born in 1959. You were born in 1958. Yes. Um, yes. When, when are you... When were you hatched? I'm, I'm, I'm 59. Yeah, ah, well, you see, yes. now, is that the jet age? Or the space age? What do you think, Ben? I'm going to go for... I'm going to choose the space age, maybe, wasn't it? Yes. What are we in now? The computer... No, it's not the computer age. We're in the post-computer age. Post. What is yeah. that then? What is it? Well, that's it. We'll just call it post to know what it is. Just post computer. Yeah. yeah. Or, or you could say it's the AI age, maybe. It's a bit hard, maybe, is what you're saying, that you can't really say what an age is at the time. So, for instance, when people Thank in the you. Renaissance, they never said, oh, we're in the uh, Renaissance, we're Renaissance now. Renaissance, yeah. I say. No, I'm they, a Renaissance artist. No, yeah. no, but it's yeah. only after looking back. They call, you know, when they lived in the Victorian age, they didn't say we're they Victorians. They didn't think were Victorians. They just no. thought they were now. So yeah. we think we're now. So what what would you think we might look back and, and call ourselves? Do you think it would be the um, artificial artificial intelligence ages? You mean you mean children born around this time? Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be the, I think the naming of ages is something that very influential historians do. You know, Renaissance was named by an Italian in the 19th century. A hundred years afterwards, it still wasn't called the Renaissance yes. age. I think maybe the thing that defines us most now is a, is a change in the nature of the way in which we read. You know, uh, 20, 40 years ago, it was, for us, it was, it was a book. Now you can read on a tablet, you can read by listening, you can read, yeah. you read on your computer. Yes. We read more in a hurry. We are more fast reading age. Well, I think that's, that's true of everything. People's attention span is short. You know, they'll read a tweet, they'll read a, yes. they'll read a headline, but they might not read a book. Yeah. But you had a theory earlier, Jim, where you were talking about, uh, if we were doing a bit of time travel, if somebody had come to the 20th century, you said they thought there'd be two things. They'd be walking around. What yeah. did you say? Well, I said if you were transported from 100 years ago to now, you'd think everyone was reading little Bibles because everyone's going around looking at the yes. phones in yes. the pouches like they're reading some psalm book. Yes, yes. something of great importance. Yeah, there was something else, I can't remember what that was. Yes. It was another yeah. valuable bit of information that's drifted away like floss <laughs> in, into the wind. <laughs> but, but, if, but if you think the dimensions of our reading experience has shrunk. Mm. But I really like having a book in my hand. Yes, so do I. I really like... I quite I'd, like the smell of a book. I've had various suits made. And uh, what I did was I had... It was when um, phones first really started coming out. And uh, I got a, a pocket on the inside of my suit to fit my phone, which is now too small. 
But I also had a, another pocket, which was the size of a penguin novel. A penguin paperback, sort of, yeah. Sort of for shoplifting, presumably. <laughs> no, it's just that I thought, this, I'm going on my travels. I, was, I put my phone in there. And you put, uh, you put and a paperback. My, my penguin book in there. And then the other side, a, a pocket in the shape of a banana. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about transport here very vaguely and journeys and so sometimes it's a journey by car or by plane or on foot or it might be just a journey around your living room um do you like traveling ben yes i love i love traveling i'm just uh, astonished by the uh, deliberate limitation of the journeys you've mentioned uh, why can't it be a journey in a book a journey in your mind a journey in your imagination a journey through memory a we journey like this. through dreams yes journeys through paintings yes yeah. journeys through music we like I, this I, some of the best journeys I've made. I've been sit, just sitting back and listening to a piece of music, and I'm I'm gone. I've left where I am. I'm in I'm in Iceland. I'm in I'm in Germany. I'm in I'm in the West Indies. The heat's changed. The the quality of the air on my skin is different. I mean, I find it with a very good writer, with a few sentences, yes. they can put you into the time and the place that they're describing yeah on it's just literally it'll be like sort of maybe three sentences but somehow you're plunged straight into I'll wherever give, it is i'll give you a sentence like that I, it's um it's not one of his uh, best books it's but it's, it has got this has this beginning that does exactly that you know how it is on those mornings in havana to have and to have not, Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, that's a morning in Havana. Yeah. I was there for you know, a moment. You know how it is yeah. on those mornings in Havana. Mm. I think that you know how it is is a very important part of the transportation you're talking about. Yeah. Because transportation is very rarely immediate. Um, there's a sort of a, an initiatory stage to it. There's a, and that you know how it is. You're invited to yes, imagine. Yes, um, yeah. even if you've never been to even Havana. Even if you've never you been to Havana. You can smell, but I smell yes, the air. I yes. smell the morning air in Havana. Yeah. You see, now with music, for instance, I sometimes listen to old records, and I like that because it takes me to that place. Yeah. Whether it's an old record, perhaps it might be made in New Orleans in the 1930s, or in Jamaica in the 1950s, yes, or it yeah. might have been made in Germany in the in the in the 1960s. You know, it's but you're, I like being taken to that place. Yeah, I'd hear that music, and for those moments, I'm in that place. But Actually, you've, but, but you've that, never but you've never been to those places. I have been there now, but I when I first heard it, I hadn't been there. So, but what you, does the transportation when you haven't been there? The music, I suppose, does tra it transports you there, but it transports me to a place that I imagine. That's the thing. I was listening to, as I do sometimes, to Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, the opera singer, singing Richard Strauss, right? Just happened to be doing yes, this. This is wonderful. And it was an old recording, and I thought, well, I bet this was recorded in Vienna in like 1951. And I imagined that Vienna, Viennese console, I imagined hearing that music, I imagined being a little bar, having a Wiener schnitzel, having a schnapps, and just being, being in that town. Anyway, I thought, I'm there. As I was hearing that music, I was there with her. <laughs> there, that whole world. But then I looked at the sleeve notes, recorded Watford Town Hall. Whoa. They were all there. But that's just, you know, so I was saying... So, so, I, so, I, so I think it's not where it's recorded then, that really matters. But the styling. It's, it's, what, it's, what the, it's what the music does. Mm. Gives you the grime, gives you the temperature, gives you the weather, gives you the smell, uh, gives you the sea breezes. Just, just, just in the, 
just in the guitar licks and the voices. Yeah, the tonal, uh, the modal sound. The modal, that's the word. Yeah, the modal that sound. is yeah. a pure example of existentialism. Really? I've never heard this example before. It what is, do you mean? You, well, ex, ex, if you had to explain existentialism to anyone, it's like basically like saying, you know that there's a wall behind that chair, but you, that's only because you, you, you reckon it's there. Because you believe that it's there. You can't prove it because you can't see it. And that's what you just explained in within that music reference is existentialism. Wonderful. I think on that bombshell, we should stop for commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> now look here. I may be a lantern-jawed hunk with rugged outdoor looks, yes. but I'm also Britain's most pungent man. A fact. But now you can disguise that tangy stench with this new stench. Port Cullis for men. For men who like a bit of rough and tumble. <laughs> when you're travelling by car around London, do you enjoy that? What do you look out for? If I'm honest with you, I prefer to walk. Mm-hmm. If I'm travelling by car, I um, tend to like looking over bridges. I like the open stretch, because the thing about cities is that you don't get much open stretch. Of, of landscape to look out on. Mm. So the minute I'm going over a river, the first thing I do is I go look one way, get a nice long open stretch, and then look the other way. Also partly because I like the effect of sunlight on the water. Yes. And, and people on boats. But interesting what you said cars, there. Cars interest me. What interests you about cars? I, um, I'm interested in the uh, topography of the cars that you see and what it tells me about uh, the changing tastes. Cars seem to be getting smaller. Well, I, I think they're getting bigger. Here, no, here's what I here what I put I put this to you. I think the modern car appears to be smaller. Yeah. But if you got a modern mini, and let's face it, mini is supposed to mean small. Yes. And put it next to an old mini. Oh yes, of It course. would completely yeah, dwarf right, it. Yes. And if you put an old-fashioned Range Rover next to a oh, new yes. mini, oh, yes. the old-fashioned oh. Range Rover is probably smaller than the new mini. Because wow. that's yes, the, just the modern cars. I think maybe because of all of the stuff like the. Uh, the safety features, I suspect, is what it is. Yeah. They've, they've, and, and whatever else they put in them, they've, they've done air conditioning and all this different stuff. The modern car is, I think, much bigger. So that's what I would. That's what, what I. What about to. what about our buses? Our buses. I think they're bigger. Or bigger. I think they're bigger too. Yeah. Well, they're, get, they're definitely getting smaller in America. Because they're all... Because they used to be bigger. I mean, the yes. 50s. Well, they used to be 50s, giant 50s, cars. 50s, their cars were roads. <coughs> exactly. Yeah. Cars and cars I always used house. to like going to America and looking at the cars because they were bigger and different and flashier than the ones you used to see in Britain. And now you don't. Now go to America and it all there looks is, the same. It's a great disappointment. Yes. You get out at the American airport hoping to sort of have absurd, vast Cadillacs. Yeah. None of it. They're all, no, kind they're of all going around in yeah. Hondas. Yeah. And I was in Japan... And I noticed everyone in Japan, all the cars are all white, small really? white cars. But that would be, because this is actually another tip I've got, which is true. We did some shows out in the desert uh, uh, and the all of the cars are white because it really does stop the heat. And I had a car wow. that had a white roof and on a hot day, if you leant on the green part of the body, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. If you touch the white roof, Absolutely right. nothing, not no heat at all. So it is true. That's, that's white is reflected. Have you ever that's fried an egg on your bonnet? No, look forward to that's, it. That's probably why they have white houses in. Of course, countries. yeah, like you're in yes. Greece and it's like all in Greece. White, uh, yes, yeah, so yeah. certain certain Arab countries like white houses. So what's the what's the best colour for a car? Sky blue. 
Oh, sky blue. So yeah. I'm with you, and I you rarely see uh, when I do see a car that is a color that I really like. I notice it, and that makes me think that most of the colors of cars I don't like. I saw mm. a car yesterday in a shade of blue, which I hadn't seen. I thought that's good. I like that. Yes, I saw one like that near my house. Might have been the same. Do you know one. what the trouble is? It's because artists don't design the colours of cars. I think you're right. I think they used to. General Motors in the 50s used to employ poets and artists. Oh, really? And the poets had to name the cars, which is why they had oh, such, great such great names. El Dorado, oh, Mustang. Yes, you know, what great words. Oh, and, and then they stopped doing that. And so now they're all called things like um, uh, a PS37 or whatever it is. I had exactly that feeling when I was on a, a kind of a board of a GLA and they had a thing about naming new parts of London. And I really felt that they should get poets to do that mm. because the names that they give to places now not as good as the names as we used to have Primrose Hill oh, you know lovely. beautiful beautiful name yes and I mean, then you get places names like, like Deptford which is just the deep ford yeah. I like names with hill in them you put a hill at the end of a, a so name you, and it gives you a rise in the mind if you know what but I mean but you yeah, said yeah, you were on a committee to rename places I recommended that they have one and, so what and, would you I rename did, I, all sorts of places I'd rename what would be first on your list? I'd rename the Shard. Yeah. Oh, so things yeah. like the Shard. Yeah, yes. what would you rename it? Dream Tower. That would be better. I was thinking something like the Sword of... Damocles. <laughs> sword of Damocles. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of my favourite journeys is walking through the city in London and looking at the names of the streets. Yes. yes. Around there. You just nicked one of my favourites too. I love I love walking and looking at street names. Yeah. Yes. And the, and the, the ones in the city are the, the, the best because yes. you've got to try and work them out. I mean, for instance, there was there's Pudding Lane and things like then the King's Wardrobe. I mean, what a great name, the King's Wardrobe. King's Wardrobe. You're imagining these great sort of golden covered coats in this little sort of alleyway. But that, they're great. I love walking up there and what seeing about the gallows. Old... What about places that were gallows that have oh, yes. changed their names? Do they still retain those? Yeah, there's a there's a, on, if you're going up the Thames up the estuary there's a place near Gillingham called Horrid Hill because they used to hang bodies from the gibbet there on the gibbets there so was, when you came in on a boat you go right well, I better behave myself yes but Ben we've been talking about different sorts of journeys and I think what's interesting of course is that you have rightly brought our pod attention to the fact that you don't physically have to go anywhere to go on a, a journey and you were talking about for instance how you could listen to a record and be taken on a journey um, what other things take you on a journey without sort of having to travel so much well I was trying to avoid my 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 trade um, because obviously what I do is a great great journey maker um, novels books are primarily journeys it's one of the reasons people read them books are even better than places you read a book and you go to the place you're like oh I wish I just kept to the book Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, the places in The Great Gatsby is a, a lot better than when you turn up in those places in New York. New York is a great city, but in the book, there's a different mood in there. There's a kind mm. of a glow and a light. Hamlet, if you, re I read Hamlet as a kid, completely amazing world of shadows and, and turrets. And, or you read Treasure Island. Yeah. I mean, you have to be a proper pirate to actually have an experience like a nine-year-old reading Treasure Island in Nigeria late into the night. Yeah, it's quite frightening. Yeah, and wonderful. Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up many places. I grew up in London. I grew up in Lagos. Lagos. So what's that like? Busy metropolis. 
Lagos is many things, uh, but it's one of the wildest, uh, craziest, richest, most wonderful places in the world. Both very dangerous, very alive, um, very vibrant. I've lived, I lived all over in Lagos. I've lived in Suleri, Keja, um, the mainland, Victoria. I've lived in the ghettos. Yeah. So I've got many different Lagoses. Lagos is a bit like London, except traffic's worse and yeah. more vibrant. Everywhere you go, the sound of voices, music coming out of every... It's a music city. You, right. you walk along a street and you go from listening to uh, uh, hearing Akbala uh, music to hearing uh, high life to hearing reggae to hearing you, you just you just you journey through music just walking down the street and everyone's blaring it and we've got record shops and and, and then you've got the voices of cars and bicycles and people selling stuff I, I love it the way they call the names of things that they're selling mm. it's this atmosphere of uh, concert of, of noises and sounds and and what animals and What's the earliest smell that you can remember? Oh, Wood nice. smoke from my mother's kitchen. That's the earliest smell I remember. Yeah, because yeah. that can take you on a journey, wood. can't it? Yes. Yes. There's nothing like wood smoke. And if I smell that particular wood smoke now, it almost brings me to tears. Almost, because it just brings, it just whoosh through time all the way back. Suddenly back straight to into that. To when I was a year and a half. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. People say that the strongest uh, feelings of nostalgia are brought on by the sense of smell because, you, yeah. as you say, you're, you're almost shocked back to a place where oh. you have been in the oh. past that you'd almost forgotten because it sort of disappears and the sense of smell will take you back there. It can catch you out because you're least, when you're least expecting it, you suddenly have the scent of something that was lost or loved from years ago. I can remember this What's smell, the smell of my dad's hair. Oh, yes. Is it the hair or the oil? I don't think he put oil on his hair. I think it was just a smell of his hair. But I can remember that really clearly. I don't remember having an antimacassar on the back of the, any of the furniture. <laughs> Good word, that. Anti it is, isn't it? Antimacassar. So it's anti. It's, it's putting a stop to the macassar. What's yeah. macassar? Is that hair cream? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose now, there's, is, a good, it? there's a good piece of product placement right there. Yeah. Going back to the sense of smell, I've just re remembered, actually, I did have a very strong sense of... So my, I've got the piano now that my late mother had, and before that, her mother had it, her late mother had it, uh, which was my grandmother's piano. And I wanted to get it tuned, so I got it back, and so I took the front of it, it's in a pianola, 
and was suddenly overwhelmed by the sense of smell because I was in my grandmother's front room and this is exactly the piano I, my when wow. I first hit that piano my my hands weren't even big enough to cover a fifth let alone an octave uh, but I remember and suddenly I got a whiff of this thing as I took the front off of it and I was overwhelmed and almost immediately burst into tears so I thrust my head into sort of almost into the strings of the front wow. of the piano and I was almost almost, and I was almost weeping we, weeping and, and I heard this noise and looked round and the piano tuner had arrived <laughs> what about food what's it what do you smell what foods have you got and you can go right back to for me it's mince and onions that me nana used to make nice oh. when we turned up at our house you could smell it down the street did you have a did you have an early food smell oh god so many a goosey um a goosey is very distinctive or frying plantain in the afternoons, in the early afternoons. The smell, the fragrance of plantain being, being fried, very, very distinctive. Those are, those are scents that you're on your way back from school, halfway down the street, it hits you and you just hurry home that bit yes. faster. We, we kids just used to constantly divert our journeys because of this bakery had this incredible knack of just putting up these fragrances. Donuts. But, yeah, yeah, just bread and donuts. Yeah. And, and kids would just bend their journey just to deliberately go past it, Ugh. buy that bread, and then carry on on their journey to school. I think that the River Thames used to have a very strong, pungent smell to it, oh. which it doesn't. I mean, it has a little bit. But I remember as a child growing up by the River Thames, you got by the river. What, it what's, was the, like, what's the smell? It was like it. I won't say drains because it wasn't that. It was very distinctly. It was the river, but it was a pretty. It was a grimy smell. It was a Dickensian smell. Yeah. And it's not it wasn't a fragrance because it wasn't sweet. No. It was the river. It was quite harsh. It was quite a cruel smell, but it was not it wasn't like a sewer. It wasn't that. But it's it wasn't sweet at all sweet. A cruel smell. That's a good but, that's a but, good one. But I think now it's got you get there you don't you, there's no, there's occasion you a, get you yeah. get a little moment of it, but that's all. It's, it must maybe it's where they've cleaned it up. I don't know. T.S. Eliot talks of uh, the Thames sweating tar. Mm. Or something like that. Sweating tar. Cuz cuz in Nigeria they're always building roads. I remember um, from from independence onwards was like one vast period of just constant road building. So you go down roads and you you can really smell the tar because of the heat. Yeah, yeah. Roads are often melting. Yeah, yeah. yeah beautiful. Um, what's uh, yours? What's your what's your earliest smell? Well, me, me dad, mince and onions, oh, and my auntie's handbag, which smell of yeah. uh, Parma violets. And whenever I get a packet, people don't. I don't think people go in for Parma violets anymore, but I do because it takes me back to um, my auntie. It's a very sickly sweet s- smell and taste. What about shoes? Well, old and new are nice. New yeah. shoes are nice, new aren't shoes. they? New I mean, they yeah. say don't put your new shoes on the table, but how are you going to smell them? <laughs> but the, uh, yes, now the best smell is the interior of an old car. New cars don't really smell of anything. No. An old car will—you can't beat that. Yes, smell. That should be bottled and sold as a perfume. Yeah, it depends, on the, it depends on the car and the owners, though. Yeah, no, I think that'd be all right. The old car, and, but actually, curiously enough, a 1950s or 60s car with wood and leather and those sorts of things—ones, you know, the last ones that really were made by hand—they have a distinct smell. Whereas I have noticed some 1970s or 80s cars have their own distinctive plastic smell vinyl have their own vinyl smell of that which is of that period records when you first oh yes do do you remember the smell of records yeah vinyl has yeah vinyl when you put it when you put it on the turntable in those days 
Yes. Now, do you associate that smell with certain kinds of music, or is it a generic music smell? No, I you? think I, I tell you, I associate that smell and the smell of a warmed-up hi-fi valve amplifier uh, with the sense of anticipation and pleasure at looking forward to hearing this new record that I've got borrowed or just stolen or whatever it is. <laughs> and the amplifiers used to sort of... I used to, you know, the valve amplifier from an old radiogram or whatever it was had a sort of... That and also I think yeah. it was partly to do with a hum yeah. and partly to do with the heat, which yes, called heat, dust, yes. to perhaps sort of start oh, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. to melt. Yes. And, you, and, and th- Ben, this takes us right back to... When we started, and we're talking about books, when oh, you open yes. up a book, oh, an old book, and you can smell it, yeah. it you know where you are. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get yeah. that from a phone. But let me just ask you, so we've been talking for a while now, but let me just, talking about journeys, and we were talking about journeys, and um, on how a book takes you on a journey. I'm just going to say that this happens to me, and I wonder if it happens to either of you or any of our listeners. I will do like an antiquarian bookshop. Oh, yes. And if yes. I'll, I'll often just pull something off of the, off of the shelf, and it might be an obscure book on sort of archery methods or be whatever it is. But I find I'll often open the book and the page I open the book on, there'll be a thing that is so brilliant, witty, incisive. And I think, wow, I've got to get this book. Not always, but I'd say eight times out of ten, the one brilliant bit was on the bit which I opened at random. <laughs> it really is. I open at random. I think, and the rest of the book, oh, I never... That's the, you know, the page is, is it, is it just me that that happens to? <laughs> no, it happens to everyone. Because, yeah, that's the page that the previous owner said, you've got to have a look at this. And then to the next person, you've got to have a look at this. So it's just going to fall open on mm. that page. I've got um, two volumes by Charles Dampier, who wrote the very first travel book ever and on the front page it's been written this book belongs to Samuel Burgess on board HMS Speedwell at Chatham 1703 and inside if you open it up you can see his thumbprints in tar on the pages as he's opening it what's your favourite book that you've got my favourite book was a book that I bought in an antiquarian shop Uh, it was a Don Quixote that reminded me of a bible that my father used to have Sometimes one buys books because they, again, remind us of our fathers. And my father was, at one point, before he became an Africanist, an animist, if you like, he was an evangelist. He was a, a terrific preacher. And he had one hell of a Bible. And he used to terrify us with this Bible. Just the size of it, and the presence of it, the thud it makes when it opens. And he could quote from anywhere in the Bible. It's an extraordinary skill. Some people have that with the Quran. The people I know who can quote to you from the whole of the Quran. Are there any books like that, that you can quote from, from beginning to end? Mm, no. No, not even not even my own biography. I don't think I can quote from. Is there, is there any piece of music that you can remember from beginning to end? I probably you, you would, quite, quite you, a lot of pieces of music. I think I could play recognizably from beginning to end. Yeah, I think I probably could. I could quote musically, which is what musicians do. They quote musically. And you? I could probably do Bar Bar Black Sheep from beginning <laughs> to end and sing it at the same time, I'll have you know. <laughs> Gifted man you are. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah. So what do we say now then? Well, there's very little to say, but thank you, Ben, and we wish you all the best with all your future endeavours. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you very much. Thank you. Well, there goes Ben, off into the sunset in a, in a very poetic manner. 
off around the city of London observing the street names, making notes and hopefully coming back with some good suggestions for different places in London. Good luck, Ben. This podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.